0: Hello and welcome to Digital Mindfulness. This is episode 58. Ooh. Welcome to Digital Mindfulness. I'm your host, Lawrence Sampofo. Today we're here with Anastasia Dedukina, the founder of Consciously Digital, the London-based company that helps businesses and individuals with productivity, time management, and self-management caused by unproductive use of digital technologies. In the show, we're going to talk about the impact of technology and digital distraction, in particular on workers, and also how you can improve your level of productivity and creativity in a hyper-connected workplace. So enjoy this one with Anastasia De Dukina. But first off, welcome to Digital Mindfulness. We bring together the best teachers and thought leaders to teach you how to be your best self in an age of digital distraction and information overload, both at work and in your personal life. If you're new to the show, then the best place to find out more about us is to visit digitalmindfulness.net forward slash start, which has a collection of some required listening podcasts. Which really cover everything that we teach here on digital mindfulness from becoming more focused in a distracted world, habit building, overcoming digital distraction, cyberbullying, internet addiction, online influence, and much, much more. Okay, enjoy the show with Anastasia. So, Anastasia, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about consciously digital how it works and how it came into being.
1: Absolutely. Well, there is a personal story behind what I do. I come from digital marketing background and I had a relatively senior international career. Um, My last position was a client director with a big digital advertising agency, uh, promoting some of the biggest technical brands to worldwide audiences. So obviously, when you work in tech, you're very much connected. I would say I was connected 24-7. I had three notebooks, two phones, and I slept with my smartphones uh, most of the time. And I even felt it vibrating in my pocket when I didn't have any pockets. So um, I was paid to do some strategic and creative job. uh, But to be fair with you, uh, most of my job was just to be reacting to emails and to whatever kind of digital noise would come in. Uh, so it was at that time that I thought, well, maybe it would be a good idea to unplug for some time. And when my contract came to an end, I decided to get rid of my smartphone and replace it with a very basic no internet phone, kind of an old school Nokia And, uh, that's basically how the whole thing started. I started telling my friends and people I knew about it and how great it felt not to have a smartphone and how liberating, um, I felt and how much more space for thoughts for creativity I thought I have in my head. Um, they started asking me, Oh, do you coach people around that? I'm also qualified as a coach um and at the time I was not, and then I thought, well, like if there is demand if people are asking for me for that, perhaps it's it's what I could do, and that's how consciously digital was born um so it started as a company that coached and trained people in productivity, stress management in the age of digital destruction. but I think where we are going more towards now is towards the ethical tech and by that I mean what is it that developers, software developers, hardware developers can do in order to develop the products that still serve customers, that still they love to use but they don't hook their brains, they don't make us addictive that make us more humans and that not so much computer likes.
0: I really like what you just said. And this whole move and this the growth of this discussion about ethical technologies is absolutely fascinating that designers and engineers not only have a responsibility to create good technologies, but also technologies that are ethical, that are in the best interest of human, the needs of human beings.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think there is, you know, software industry has an immense power right now uh, to change people's behavior. If you think, for example, about the success of Pokemon Go, um, the game made millions of people go outside and start walking, right, change their lifestyle. In just a matter of days. But also, um, there is a huge responsibility that comes with such a big influence. And one of the mistakes that, for example, Pokemon Go uh, made in the early days of release was that they did not limit uh, the speed with which uh, the 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 person with the device would go so basically if somebody was driving that they still were able to play and then University of San Diego has done the research and they found out that just in the first 10 days of the game release in the United States there were over 113,000 car accidents that involves people playing Pokemon Go and that's just one little feature Uh, that recently has been introduced but only after serious complaints have been raised by the game developers so had they thought about this you know at the earlier stages of the development probably all these accidents could have been prevented so we try to work on things like that and many more
0: so from a real world perspective i'm really interested in some of the benefits that businesses and people have experienced from from engaging with digital technologies in a more conscious or intentional way? Well,
1: I think there are two sides to that, right? One thing is um, in in the tech business, most people are connected uh, most of the time, just as I used to be connected. And there is multiple research that shows and that proves that if you're constantly connected and you don't have predictable hours to unplug then you start being more stressed and less productive. So, for example, there is a study by Harvard Business School that looked into how consultants work, and they discovered that consultants who had predictable hours during which they could unplug throughout the week were much more productive and performed better than those who didn't have this opportunity. So part of the work we're trying to do is to showcase to tech companies that it's actually a healthy thing not to have their employees on top of everything 24-7, not to expect them to be connected and to be aware of everything 24-7. Um, and you know, once this happens, then people definitely report a change in how they think in having more kind of creative ideas, uh, more space for thought, also more energies just to do normal stuff as opposed to reacting, being constantly in the reaction that, that's part one part of the work other part of the work is what we talked about uh, later. Uh, earlier sorry, uh, that's the part about terrorist responsibility towards a society right and there are many many things uh, around it it's like what what kind of you know design features you want to think about do you want your design to be ethical uh, do you want to your design to help you build longer term relationships with your customers or do you just want to let's say capture their emails and then you don't care about the rest uh, because at the end of the day if you're constantly overwhelming your customers or you know like you're spamming them with your emails or you're using any other tricks that basically don't you know respect them don't respect their Boundaries or emotional, their energetic boundaries. Um, then you're not creating uh, a good, you know, trustworthy relationship between the customers and your business. So we are trying to look for ways for the brands uh, that help them, you know, still get their message delivered in the digital age because everything is happening online these days. But also make sure that people are not overwhelmed by the way the message.
0: As, um, as a person who receives hundreds and hundreds of emails every day, I really like what you've just said about the whole idea of less being more and the whole idea of intentionally emailing people rather than just bombarding them with messages. But I'm really, wonder- I'm really interested in your particular approach and how different that is to, say, um, other analytics companies that might just say, do you know what, people are available or answer their emails in general at this time and the data says so. What's the difference between this approach that a lot of marketers would take to engage with people online and your approach of being consciously digital?
1: Um, I think data is great and also part of my background is uh, in data analysis. But, you know, data can only tell you part of the story. And usually you can only use the data as long as you ask the right questions. So what's the right question in this case? Um, I firmly believe that the metrics that the current marketing community, digital marketing community, is using are actually not the best metrics. So we know in marketing, we talk about engagement and digital engagement. And how do we define engagement? Well, we think that an engaged person is a person who spends a lot of time on your website, or for example, clicks on several pages. But is this really true? I mean, if you think at the latest stats uh, that describes our ability to focus our attention span, so our attention span has shortened since the beginning of the century from 12 to eight seconds. And, by the way, is now shorter than that for goldfish, which can concentrate for nine seconds. Um, what does this mean, right? It means that the person can go on your website or on your uh, app and just mindlessly browse for that, right? The fact that they are staying on the website does not mean that they're engaged. Uh, perhaps we could start a conversation around better metrics, and that's also what we're trying to do. You know, like, what about if you could measure say how productive or how focused the person is when they're in line? Or what if you know, we could have a conversation around like how is your website you know, helping them accomplish their own goals? You know, for example, there is a website called CouchSurf. Um, it's something like Airbnb but talk for couch surfers. So there are success metrics. There are KPIs, how fast the person is able to find um, the bed or like the sofa for the next night they're looking for, you know? and that makes total sense, right? So, and that's what makes this person engage and that's what makes this person come back to the website over and over again, as opposed to, you know, mindlessly browsing through hundreds and hundreds of postings with, um, like the ads, uh, with the overnight stay.
0: So where did the inspiration for this actual methodology and, again, the wider company, Consciously Digital, where did that actually come from? Was it from you being this super-connected digital marketer or was it something that came up more with your client work?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about, you know, if you look at the success metrics and um, you know, best practice in the digital marketing industry, um, 10, 15 years ago, the average email opening rate was 85%, you know, 85 to 90%. So when the person would see the email, they would literally open it straight away and would say, wow, like I've got an email. Then, you know, like thanks to my colleagues uh, in digital marketing, this communication channel has been ruined because... We have overused it so much that now you know, in certain industries, a good email opening rate is something like three to 5%. You no, know, like some of this, I mean like the average, you can look up the average, the average would be probably something about like 15 to 25. Uh, but if we're talking about the email lists where you have hundreds of thousands of people, like you don't go above two to 3%. You no, know, how how crazy is that? And this is exactly what, you know, how do I say, un- irresponsible or unconscious digital marketing has done in a way, right? So kind of, we, we have destroyed, you know, like our, you know, we have cut the branch of the tree on which we have been sitting. Uh, and it's exactly the same thing that is now happening in the apps industry, for example, right? Uh, there are still a lot of people who, opt-in for notifications. Um, for example, uh, the CAHUN report of um, last quarter of 2015 suggests that 87% of Android users and 48% of iOS users opt-in for receiving notifications uh, that apps send them. Uh, however, now Android, like the number of Android users receiving notifications is much higher because initially Android did not allow its users an opportunity to opt out of the notifications. Uh, and then they changed it because uh that's what users were asking for, you know, like users were asking for more customization. They wanted to be in control of the information they are receiving. Um, so, you know, the app industry is now facing the pressure that people just don't want to be receiving notification. If you look at the curve, you know, fewer and fewer people actually want to receive notifications from their apps because most of them are completely irrelevant. So, you know, like as digital marketers, if there is a channel that's working well, uh, we need to be very careful about overusing it. Otherwise, you know, in six months and twelve months, we might not have this channel anymore. So there is a very fine line between, you know, making sure that you are using whatever works and you're also respecting people's boundaries. And I think it's very, very important, not just because of the ethical aspect, but also just because you don't want to ruin your best tools for your business.
0: So Anastasia, there are a lot of organisations now that are releasing reports saying that people are increasingly taking digital detoxes and that companies are recommending that people do things like that, intentionally disconnects from the internet and from their digital devices. And I'm wondering what you think, particularly in the way that we've been talking about being consciously digital do you think that intentionally disconnecting from the internet and doing things like digital detoxing actually help hyperconnected digital professionals?
1: Um, I think it's one of the things you can do. Obviously, you know, we live in the economy that is based on distraction, so you can not just abandon, you know, all information altogether. And you know, millions and millions of people are struggling with. Making technology serve them, as opposed to be, you know, as opposed to serving to technology, as opposed to feeding its attention, their attention to technology and to advertising companies. Um, If you think, you know, like I think the com said, it's about thirty-five percent of rates who have undertaken digital detox. Um, In other words, what this means is that thirty-five percent of people get so overwhelmed. By technology that is, in theory, supposed to improve their lives, that they have to give it up at some point. Now, if we imagine that the same thing were happening in other industries, for example, let's say that we take medicine, and then there is a pill of some vitamins that is known for having about 35% of, uh, you know, unwanted outcomes. Or of some side effects. Now, I bet that this pill will be at very soon or forbidden, or at least, you know, the authorities would start an investigation, right? Or like if a medical professional would treat somebody and then, you know, 35% of their patients would report actually having issues after such treatment, I think that this person would lo- lose a license pretty soon. Uh, now, why is this not the case with the tech industry, right? I mean, 35% is a pretty big number. And uh, I guess, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the question of the governmental intervention, although some governments regulate these days. For example, in France and Brazil, uh, they have the so-called right to disconnect laws that regulate among other things whether people have the right not to be reading work-related emails up to working hours, uh, but they have to be, you know, not just the responsibility of common people to manage uh, their relationship with devices, but they have, uh, like, technical companies have to think about what kind of impact they're creating on people, you know, government needs to say it's worse, there should be um, social organizations, non-commercial organizations talking about the subject. Um, I mean, it's it, it's a pretty big thing, and especially if you consider that we are now seeing uh, the generation of children who have no idea how to live without devices, right? And we still haven't mastered how to live with the current devices, so we cannot teach them these things. And then we know that in a few years, maybe even in a few months, we will have a new wave on innovation. You know we will have artificial intelligence we will have uh virtual reality augmented reality and all this technology is already in place right it's just the question of seeing it in the mass market it's a question of several years or maybe even like several months um so the short answer sorry sorry it was quite a long answer so the short so the short answer to your question um It is one of the things that go in digital detox. It's one of the things that uh, is part of, you know, your kind of informational hygiene, your mental hygiene. Uh, But you cannot rely only on that, right? There has to be uh, changes in the culture. There has to be changes in the corporate environment, Uh, possibly in uh, the legal framework. Uh, that actually recognises that this is a problem and this problem needs to be addressed on many, many levels.
0: So do you have any examples of companies that are using this approach and how successful they've been in implementing this approach of intentionally connecting to the digital world?
1: Um, Yeah, I think it's, well, we can compare certainly. Um, Let's take two companies, right? So one is Slack. Now, you've probably heard of it. It's uh, the equivalent of female. Uh, and another company, Facebook. And let's just compare how they're doing notifications. So Facebook sends you all possible notifications, right? That, you know, like your person, your contact has commented on somebody else's post, that you're uh, somebody added you to the group, and then all of a sudden you start receiving all notifications from this group, etc., etc. So most of the notifications Facebook sends to you are completely irrelevant, and by the way, they make it super difficult to change it, right? To to customize notifications. Uh, so this is not a consciously digital approach. Uh, on the other hand, Slack allows uh, its users to. Choose which notifications are relevant, and how often they want to receive them you know do you can snooze for example, your chest for an hour for two hours for five hours, so this allows you to be you know still part of the process, but at the same time to get some work done so this is a very good example of a company that chooses you know the design that is conscious digital and Basis is on the respect of the user's need, needs, needs uh, not just kind of you know the commercial needs of the company. Uh, in terms of in terms of individuals, um, you, you probably know it's become kind of a big trend in the um, you know bohemian society. I don't know, for example, uh, the US rapper Kanye West, uh, who's also known as a Kim Kardashian's husband, uh, announced, I think in summer this year, that he was giving up his smartphone because he needed some space for creativity. And he believed that a smartphone, uh, was preventing him from doing that. Um, and also, if you know, uh, quite a few very high profile Silicon Valley executives, Uh, either do not have smartphones or are very cautious about using them. So, for example, uh, the executive chairman of Alphabet, which is Google's holding company, Eric Schmidt, has two smartphones, but he switches both of them off on most nights during dinner time uh, because he wants to be present, he wants to be with whoever he's having dinner with. Or uh, Randy Zuckerberg, uh, who is a sister of Mark Zuckerberg, the creator of Facebook, and uh, who used to be chief marketing officer uh, with Facebook, left the company, and after she gave birth to her children, started actually organizing digital detox retreats that are focused on people who work in the Silicon Valley. And she says that one of the key drivers of her doing that was seen that her very, very young children just couldn't stop using iPads that you know, as she as most parents would give to to them. And she thought, well, like maybe this is something that can become potentially very dangerous. And that's how she started this business. So there is this very, very big trend that's uh, I think going, you know, happening in all kind of social layers uh, among celebrities and also among just normal people like all of us
0: so anastasia what would you say then in this age of hyperconnectivity and digital distraction are the most important human traits and also how would you cultivate those
1: well what comes to my mind there are two things so one is uh, it's a choice right so the technology it's not a problem per se. Technology is neutral, but it's the choices we're making on a daily basis, right? It's the choice that you're making. If you're a designer, are you designing for distraction or are you designing for a persons, productivity and focus? It's the choice that you're making as a marketeer when you're designing your digital marketing campaigns. Are you designing them with the respect of the user in mind? you don't care about their respect and you're only following you know kind of your sales targets um it's your personal choice about you know do you want to pick up your device do you want to you know keep it on while you're talking to somebody is this really important or are you happy to actually switch it off and put it away now we're making these choices every single minute every single day and that's what makes us humans that's that's one thing another thing is um for me what makes us truly human um, i'm thinking about what what i discovered when i gave up my smartphone um i realized actually that i was very happy not knowing exactly where I'm going, you know, at every single point in time. A lot of people ask me, yeah, but like, how do you find your way? Um, how do you find your way if you don't have Google Maps? Um, you know what? It's okay sometimes not to know and to ask other people, right? Like, what makes us human is that we're not perfect and we don't have to be perfect. What makes us human is being able to ask others for help and, you know, to cooperate with them. And I think it's incredibly important that we do not allow technology to take it away, right? And that's, again, coming back to your choice. And also, for example, some of the things we have already outsourced to technology on most occasions is our sense of direction, our memories as well, right? Like you don't bother these days to remember how to get somewhere because you you can look it up the map so you know you don't bother kind of to remember events or so because you can you know always look up the pictures but this is actually you know these memories you know these memories of spaces of events of directions this is also part of what makes us humans and uh, when I gave up my smartphone and I didn't have all of those things with me in hand I actually realized that I was pretty happy you know this is Something I previously outsourced to technology and it felt great to gain it back.
0: Outsourcing our sense of direction. I really like that phrase, um, Anastasia, because it immediately reminds me of the way that I use my phone and the mapping applications whenever I'm out. And I do feel safer. I will definitely admit that I feel much safer when my sense of direction is supported by my phone.
1: Well, that's the thing, and I think that's, that's a very dangerous situation, right? Because we so easily get into the habit of not trusting ourselves. And technology, you know, technology is great. When can it support you? But it's not something that should substitute your trust in yourself. And because our brain kind of does not differentiate, you know, our physical environment from our thoughts really what happens is when you stop you know trusting yourself to find your way in the physical environment you also stop trusting yourself automatically in many other things you know it's it's like you build this trust to yourself by actually you know solving the challenges if you make things always easy you know if you don't make an effort to remember something if you know that information is out there available for you all the time then you're actually not going to make an effort to remember it you know. and then like you will you will experience that you'll have issues with the memories and there is a lot of research that confirms that so you know it, it comes it comes with a price uh and i'm not sure that you know the price is worth paying for No, Again, you know, like technology can be amazing in certain things. I, I run my business from that laptop. I travel a lot internationally. I speak at conferences. It's great to be able to talk to my clients or, you know, to people who, who do the same work. Uh, not not, in, not just in person when we can't meet, but, you know, through Skype or whatever. Uh, but, you know, there has to be a balance.
0: You're right. There absolutely does. Anastasia, unfortunately, we've come to the end of the show. Um, can you tell the audience where they can contact you and where they can find more of your work?
1: Thank you very much, Lawrence. Um, really enjoyed the conversation. There are two ways. Uh, one is our website, consciously-digital.com, and we've got a blog there, and also I publish there uh, the list of all events where I will be speaking globally throughout the year. Uh, so please visit and check periodically and another one is our Twitter handle which is country digital
0: and there'll be links to everything that we've spoken about in the show notes on the website but Anastasia Dedikina thank you so much for spending time with us today I've learned a lot and it was great having you on the show
1: thank you so much thank you so much I I really appreciate all this work you're doing I think this is really important to have this discussion
0: Thanks for being with us today. Remember, you can connect with us at Digital Mindful, which is on Twitter and also on Facebook, which is just Digital Mindfulness. If you like this particular show, don't forget to reach out and thank Anastasia on Twitter, which is at Concee Digital. If you find the Digital Mindfulness podcast valuable, you can support it through the website at digitalmindfulness.net forward slash support and also our Patreon page. Patreon allows you to access our longer form content, which we don't publish on the website or on this podcast. Your support really helps us to continue and improve the direction of the show. But also, there are other ways to support the podcast, such as leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. This really helps people to find the content that you find useful, and also sharing the show with other people who might find this useful is an immense help. Thank you all for listening. Until next time.